What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Ghost Show. I'm your host, Little Ghost, and today is a very special occasion because it is episode one of The Ghost Show, and I'm so fucking excited. The guests we have on this episode are brilliant. They're, uh, I consider them good friends. I could talk to them for hours. We've done podcasts in the past, and I have to say, this is for sure one of the best podcasts we've ever done. Uh, we get into it. We talk about the end of the world, fucking taking mushrooms, communicating with aliens, putting things in, in butts. I'm pretty sure we talked about a lot of butt stuff. Hey, we, we fucking run the gamut. This episode is a fucking banger. Episode one is the best way to kick it off. Uh, with that said, I will say no more, and let's get right into the episode. The Ghost Show, episode one, An Apocalypse of Self, with Zephyr and Ethan, starts now. Why do I think the world's gonna end? I think I, I don't know if you also think the world's gonna end. Seems you think like it's close? You it think seems I think like the world's Ethan's gonna end? Gonna, thinks the world's gonna end. That's or maybe that's just that. That would be a, a, a less nuanced position. What's gonna happen, guys? Is it gonna end or what? What do you say, Zephyr? End yeah, or not? When? It's right now. <laughs> the world is don't look out the window. The world is constantly ending. Okay, it's a matter of your perception of time and the fact that if you, well, I'm gonna get way too deep on this. Too, go for it. Why too deep? Let's go. Let's hear the deep. Yeah. Um, jump off the deep end, baby. <clears throat> this is the ghost show, Zephyr. Ghost <laughs> you can go as deep as you want. Let's just let's just start off by a uh, a small anecdote in which Ethan said that China was de- gonna declare war on us, or well, we were gonna sh- declare war on China. No, well, and that's I think that's like I think that is a a huge jump in like the media's ongoing bullshit that's just feeding us constant. Like constant chaos. So you don't think that the China that China has any interest in declaring war? I don't think. I think. I think it's a different world right now. I think the idea of declaring war. I think the idea. What we haven't World War Three has been like this imminent threat that's been constantly ongoing since like two thousand twelve, like the end, the real the mind calendar end of the world. Like, the the idea of World War Three is an ongoing thing that um, can be constantly predicted on, on several different bases. But um, I think right now is we're coming to another peak in in like saturation of of content that's that's specifically oriented towards. Like something really bad is about to happen. Every t- dude, I c- I come into no, you, work. You can refer to 
Thucydides' trap, which means that, you know, every 80 to 100 years, you're going to go into another I come into problem. work every day, and Dennis, he sits down, and he turns on his fucking conservative radio, and all you hear from fucking Sean Hannity, or whatever this <laughs> fucking guy's name is, ben. is how the Chinese probably instigated the COVID virus. And I don't think there's I don't think there's a small amount of people that believe in that. Every old person that comes into the store like has something to say about it. <coughs> and you know what's interesting? I was, I was thinking about something very similar because uh, you're kind of on the topic of like good ideas and bad ideas. Like the world is sort of shifting into these like these groups of ideology. Uh, and it's becoming more, I wouldn't say salient, but more uh, distinct in these groups because of the internet. More people can see what groups are out there and then and kind of cement themselves into each group. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing, as I was, I was actually talking to Blue about this yesterday, is what I think is happening is in our society, we, we to live any life where it's easy to survive, you sort of have to develop a narrative to tell yourself why you're here other than what your instincts are telling you, which is to give food. And essentially, you have all this free time and your biology is kind of freaking out about it. It's like why we are so existential about life. We don't know, like, we don't have to hunt all day, right? When we hunt all day, we're tired, we go to sleep. We don't have to do shit. We can... We just have to work for money. We don't even (laughs) have to work for money. There's people on the streets that just hold up signs and make enough money to get by. Mm -hmm. I think go to McDonald's a dollar. He needs a dollar to get. Maybe that's like that's my perspective being a person who's actually worked for a living for a long time. But there's so many people who make enough to get by off of sitting on the corner of 2nd and Glendale, which is the same street, I'm pretty fucked up, and they ask for enough <laughs> money that they somehow show up every day and are still alive. Well, that's ca- it's sort of a full-time job, right? Yeah, asking and begging for money is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Dude, I saw a cute, I saw a cute, like, put-together to an a certain extent, woman sitting on the corner of South Virginia and whatever, like she looks like she could, she should have been a college student. She looked like she should have been almost graduating she was like the, college. She was like the the newbie homeless, like and she freshly was homeless. Sitting there with a sign, <laughs> like a cute little sign that said, "Like, um, I'm not gonna be able to survive the next month if you don't give me your dick." Money. <laughs> or dick. I'm out here for only dick. I can't survive without a giant hog. <laughs> but that's, that's I also saw an obese person on the I've seen I've seen fucking you name it. I've seen that type of person sitting on the corner begging for money. And I don't know if that's a worse thing or a better thing. You know you know what I think it exemplifies and it kind of relates to the point I was making earlier is um you you see these people kind of migrating into these like subsets of society 
And all these subsets kind of have their own narrative. If you were to make like a tapestry, you could say like, here's the homeless narrative. Here's the billionaire class. Here's the working class. You have all these different classes, Republican, Democrat, and they all kind of weave into this tapestry of identity. And <clears throat> what, what I think is happening is since we don't know what to do with our free time and we don't have proper structure in terms of what our society, like we don't learn in school to to be okay with ourselves or to think about things um, in a constructive, like, like positive way. We, we always like, we learn to just kind of like get a job. And if you don't get a job, you fit into this narrative. Right. And um, we don't, we certainly don't teach people to come up with their own narrative. We don't say, Hey, we don't survive the same way we used to. And now life is sort of like a story you have to tell yourself. From you. I've heard that idea from you. And I've heard that idea from other people. Like, in the past couple years, it's this same idea of, like, creating your own narrative or being the main character of the story that you're in. And I think that's a mm-hmm. constant theme that probably runs throughout thousands of years. Well, it of fits into archetypes, right? intelligent people who have been able to assess this the, the current situation there th- that they're in. I think that's a common narrative that so few so few people understand um that it it like for people that are not even on that level it doesn't make sense but they work day in and day out and they attach to these ideas and they think that those ideas <coughs> are something that they can follow through on but until you understand the idea of creating your own narrative, mm-hmm. it's it's um it's like a it's like a it's a world that it's a fucking scary place. Like it's a it puzzle that you have to fucking fit like mold yourself into. If you create your own narrative, you kind of create your own part of the puzzle. Well, and and something I'd like to add here, as far as that's concerned, as far as grade school up into high school. They're not necessarily trying to feed you a narrative. Um, I think that might be what universities for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's primarily been used for up until this point. I think um, when you think about what the university is teaching you, that's where you start to generate your culture, and that's where you start to generate all the other aspects in which you interpret and... And manifest the next next step. Does that make sense? It's not so much that you you don't get right out of high school and start making like and start working a job and manifesting your own thing. That's kind of an outlier perspective. As far as most middle class Americans, they're going to go to college. They're going to be indoctrinated into into a certain way of thinking, and then from that point, they're going to start moving on and and manifesting that indoctrinated position into the world into the into government into into how society functions in the future and so that's what that's what i would say as far as that's concerned and i think the universities are failing in that regard i think that's like that's that's such a nuanced perspective that most people don't even know what you're saying i feel like most people they go to college and get a business degree and to be a businessman 
and they don't even know what that they don't even know what being in a they just they don't know how that fits in a business degree is so easy to get i'm i'm I, every yeah, time I every time I say yeah. this, I feel like an asshole be, because my brother has a business degree. He yeah. does, and oh, several people I, I know they're going to school for business degrees. And the problem that I have with that is that that is a scapegoat for having no fucking clue. It's like a liberal arts. Why degree. you're going to school? Yeah, as like it's like what oh do you I. Study? Everything. I want to. I I enjoy music, so I get a. I major in music, and then you find out that one of your friends has an entire family, who multiple people got music degrees in, and are now working at laundromats in the town that they fucking originated from, and that's because. I'm not. I'm not sure what this this like system is feeding you. I don't know what that means, but the the uh, the idea. Well, I know what the system is feeding you. It's absolutely fucking bullshit nonsense. But sorry, that that might not be okay for Twitch. But um, you can say fuck. We can say fuck. Yeah, we can say fuck. We say can bullshit we say nonsense. Can wait, we say that? wait for the can porn say, of fucking live cock. Cock. You can say cock diggity. Well, and that's cock. what I'm. That's what I'm ultimately Make trying to prove. Cock. It's it's it's. I mean, as far as the China thing is concerned, they've. They have Anus. said that they're going to commit or they're, they're going to move forward on the idea of nuclear war for not only investigating the coronavirus and its origin. They've said that? Yes. Whoa. And <laughs> That's fucking Dude, I've heard some and, weird shit about what's going to happen between the U.S. and China. And if we continue to defend Taiwan. And so our forces have been moved out and... and and, and spread out between our a lot of minor bases in order to protect the the, the Taiwanese Strait, and so that's my current understanding. And we've already we're in position of doing that right now. We've also changed a lot of uh, how we would um, like the weapons that we're buying are not so much efficient for f- focusing the Middle East, but for overseas warfare for something that's going to pertain to more ocean or or even a Chinese environment. So we're we're seeing our a change in how we're like the US is spending their money on defense budget. We're seeing a lot of these things kind of unfold. And so I just kinda wanted to add that into the mix as far as it's eerie because there's also that whole fucking shit going on in like um I guess Russia has a territory that they want and they want it's like Crimea. The same. They want Crimea. And like there's like people pointing guns at each other every day. Like this, and if someone fucking pulls the trigger, it's it literally will be World War Three. It's, it's going to be one of those things where it's shot heard around the world. Well, and it's mm-hmm. just like well, and it puts U.S. in a difficult position. Where as far as I think the U.S. is is more inclined to agree with Russia and to let them build the pipeline and use Crimea, and so I think we're going to side with Russia as far as I'm concerned. But as far as if you if you were to put it into a Mexican standoff position. Like you got you got Russia and Crimea and Ukraine, and they're, they're fighting over that territory, and then you got China, Taiwan, and the U.S. Where we want to protect the sovereignty of Taiwan, but but do we? I don't do. know. Like sometimes, we do. and I, me personally, I do. Like you know, you do. I'm saying, I'm saying, in terms of the vested interest and in the people who have the money, who because the, there's people who make money off of these wars, right? 
And that's why we get into these things. Yeah. So when I look at the world powers on a world stage, there's a reason we've had the nuclear agreement, mm-hmm. mutually assured destruction. And that's yeah, why we mad. haven't, that's why we haven't done that yet mm-hmm. is because everyone's like, well, we can get long just fine enough as long as, as long as we maintain power. Right. We have the, and then. But China's so, willing to threaten us now because they're moving up within the next 10 years, probably even sooner than that. They're going to be the dominating world power. And so they're going to, they're willing to flex their muscles and say, we threaten nuclear war on you over Taiwan, over you investigating any of our, any of the things that happened or pertain to coronavirus during this period of time. Bro. We don't want you to investigate the WHO. We don't want you to investigate any of these other aspects. It's like, well, we already know three people were hospitalized yeah. that were from the WHO facility in November that had <laughs> yeah. coronavirus symptoms. And so, I mean, they don't want us to investigate the breach. We don't want they don't want us to What well, you know even defend up? like you had you had fucking who was it? Uh, over Fast and Fear the new Fast and Furious movie. Was it um John Cena? Like John Cena says really denouncing great. the existence of Taiwan in and of itself. That's fucking ridiculous. It's like, I mean, China doesn't even fucking denounce the existence of Taiwan, but I mean, to not call it a fucking sovereign state is Wait, ridiculous. Isn't Taiwan that China's whole thing, though? Isn't China claim that Taiwan is a part of China? Well, no. Well, okay, this is going to get more, more in depth, but here, the, the China. Okay, so. The previous regime of of China before the Communist Chinese Party had moved. They had moved to China, like to Taiwan, and 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 set up base there. Then the the Communist Party of China set up and claimed the whole of China, and then opened democratic, um, capitalist areas like Beijing, like Hong Kong. And so they set those places up. And right now, China's but like, then fuck Taiwan still claims <laughs> themselves to be the legitimate government of China. Yeah, that's kind of a problem for And that's for kind Winnie of a problem. Winnie the Pooh is not too happy about that yeah, shit. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh is not happy about any of that. Um, they want wonder, their money pot. This is when you find out Twitch is based in China. We just get cut off stream. Yeah, like, Shut the fuck up, dude. I don't know Did you say that. Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Could you imagine dying because of that shit? Especially like in China, like did you say Wang Kapu? Like how did they say it? <laughs> I did my French accent. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Did you say Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Fucking done, dude. No Winnie the Pooh here. Is it racist to do a Chinese accent but do it French? <laughs> like I'm a Chinese. Gu- I'm a Chinese guy. <laughs> Is that racist? Can I get canceled for that? Maybe. I don't know. I, don't know, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're 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 being inclusive enough. <laughs> right, like you're being inclusive enough. That's how we. Get, that's how we skirt around, like the. You like do like a Mexican accent, but you're like it's like no, this is a Chinese guy, and you're like, <laughs> or you like you go to you go to do like a, a like a like a hardcore like African like Northern African accent, but you you do Chinese instead. That's what I'm not good at a Chinese accent. Can I shouldn't do it. Can you try that? Can, wait, what happened? So I'm I'm from Northern. How do you do? I'm Mr. From no, um, miso 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 from Northern Africa. Miso miso dark skin. 
it's not even a real accent. It just so kind of blends into all accents. <laughs> pretending to be one race, but then criticizing the other or... or I am an astral person. You're an astral person. I have yeah. no race or gender or skin. Co- I don't exist. Yeah, I am, I'm I'm an ephemeral entity. That is that is the typical cis white gender fucking narrative. <laughs> you just want to pretend it doesn't exist, but it does. <laughs> and so... And so we're all going so to. We're get gonna boycott this this fucking podcast on the fucking second episode. First, first there should be an option before episode? you get canceled. You should have to like. You should be like, can I like suck a dick or something? Like, what do you? <laughs> Is that enough to keep me on the air? Like, come on! Like, like what do I have to do? Fuck a pig or fucking. <laughs> Or uh, just give up being a politician or uh, a <laughs> fucking newscaster or whatever. <laughs> it was it like Jimmy Fallon like did blackface on like Saturday Night Live? I thought that was so weird when they got mad at it. Like it's like 15 years ago, and then they're like, "Oh my god, you did this 15 years ago!" And he's like, "Yeah, everyone said it was fine. It was on Saturday Night Live. That's something that everyone watched with their family." It's not like it's not like they did some crazy thing that everyone's like, "Whoa!" It wasn't even newspapers. Well, no one gave like, a shit. You have to, and it wasn't like that. With with time, there is going to be a more nuanced position. Of course, right? So you it's can't go. Like, you, you can't, can't go retroactively back 30 years and fucking judge someone based on the nuanced position of them growing up through that 30 years and then realizing where they are now and then judging them based on what they said 30 years ago. You know, ago. California looked at this woke shit and they're like, oh, you can just retroactively judge people? Well, we'll just retroactively tax people. Did you know they were trying to do that? People, There's so many people leaving the state of California that they were like, oh, oh, you think you can leave California? They're like a jealous girlfriend. Well, guess what? You know, for the last two years, we only charge you this much in state tax. We're going to actually increase the tax retroactively and charge you after you've even left. Sorry, Joe Rogan. You may have moved to Texas, but you're still paying fucking California state tax, motherfucker. It's like 26% too <laughs> that they want to like hike it up to for Jesus average people. Christ. For average people. It's like fucking 70% for millionaires. It's like they ridiculous. Don't want people to leave to that extent. One, oh. There's any solid evidence of that? It's the fact that every fucking person's house I deliver a piano to is from California. <laughs> they just have so much money that they just get pianos. What do you say? No, that's the thing. Is like the the fucking the income tax in California is so ridiculous that well, I don't know. I don't know what's happening in California. But if you go to, like, half of the rich white people's houses who are buying and or trading pianos in this area, they're all from California, and they've all moved here because it's way easier to skate by in the system in this, in this fucking state. Imagine if you work from home, but you move to Nevada. And you have so much. You make so much more money. Well, so we already know several people that do that. There's one guy moved from Brilliant. fucking New York and starts working here, and he's like, "Nah, dude, I fucking love it." I mean, I don't talk to anyone. That kind of sucks. But other than that, like, I don't want to fucking go back into work. I don't want to fucking go into an office. I just want to work from home. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing a paradigm shift. Whereas, like, people used to go into the office. Whereas now. I mean, you can work from well, home. There's no reason to go into the office. It's such a dumb thing that people are like, you need to be here. Acid seat. Acid seats. 
Like, come on. Why? Yeah. Am I, can I do everything I do from home? You got piss? Already, hey, man. It's okay. Take your time. You're only fucking interrupting the, the best podcast of all time. <laughs> <laughs> interrupting the best podcast of all time with your fucking bodily needs. Fuck you, dude. So so China's going to end the world, huh? We could do it. Well, with he, the, he put me on the spot. Like, I'm... I just like pointing out particular factors to that kid, and then I mean, his assumption is his assumption. I, th- I thought it was we so... are still a power to be reckoned with. Oh, you can for sure. invade us. Our military so. is better than China's for sure. Well, yeah. Even though they have more people, it's like they're not they're not caught up. Oh, and then like it's that, or they're not saying they're caught up, and it's like really secretive, and we're like scared. But like these UFO sightings, but if you find out it's like China, and you're like fuck. I know. Oh, I was thinking fuck. about that just on the trip here too. Like you know, they have they have achieved supremacy. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. like oh fucking anti gravity technology. But at the same time, it's like, uh, do you have anti gravity technology? Just go somewhere else. Just fly. You have away. a billion people. Just take them somewhere else. Yeah. Like, why do you have to fucking ruin everything? Just go well, over there. I mean, own that whole thing. Like, Leave us I, alone. I understand. Like. <laughs> For some people, it's like they like to look at it as, you know, us versus them. Like, I, I I would really appreciate a healthy, cohesive global economy. Like, I really would prefer that. And as, But then we need, like, a global as, government. As long as we're, yeah, well, I don't even necessarily think so. It's like, well, How do you as have long a as things government? have a, have a uh, fucking, yeah, I, I don't necessarily want a centralized government. I would like a decentralized thing where they're all working for their own means within their own particular category. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, think that's I, the way I, of the I don't future. believe in communism. I don't believe in, in, in even socialist agenda. Like I, I'm, I'm a staunch individualist and I, I am a capitalist. I, I think that people need to manifest their own wealth. I don't see it any other way because otherwise you're just going to distribute it to the masses and it's going to be less and everyone's going to be starving. So I don't. Well, I, I think there's certain things that when it comes to wealth distribution, I think it's hard because I think it's in the best interest of everyone to have shelter. Right, of course. Like meaningful, like a like a... Like if I was a single person, I could I could afford a one bedroom apartment. I never have to, like I don't have to pay for it, right? Like it's just I have it. I have the utilities and I have an internet connection. I can be a part of the modern world. Mm-hmm. I think that is something I have enough to like feed myself, right? Right. And, as long as and, you can and, utilize those assets appropriately. Yeah, and then on top of that, if I had a job, I don't lose those benefits. I get to keep it, but then I make more money, mm-hmm. and. So, like, the goal is, like, don't give people enough money where they can just live fanc- fancifully, right? Like, yeah. Because, like, if everyone was a billionaire, we'd go bankrupt. Like, it wouldn't work. But well, then if yeah, everyone had enough just to the have value, a- the money wasn't worth anything at the end of the day. The GDP would just plummet. You, the M1, M2, and M3 money stock would just plummet. And, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone owns a billion dollars, but you're basically burning it for warmth. Mm-hmm. Just like in... in Post World War One, post World War Two, Germany, and and so it's like I don't think people should be required to uh, our civilizations too advanced to make people work. We're too advanced to have homeless people. That's a problem. Well, and there's levels of advancement where where 
like 50, maybe 60 years ago, yeah, I would argue differently. I think people did need to work. We weren't in a place where there was enough wealth attribution in the entire world and there wasn't enough modernity, like the the plumbing and all this infrastructure that we have Mm -hmm. to support all of the people uh, financially to at least have a, a, a place they can live in and a you know uh, the ability to to eat right right if people could have that i think a lot of people would be free to do things that would benefit society but I, it's not only that you see that's that's only like one really small piece of the picture what has to happen is like if you did that and you just kept school systems the way they are and you kept the laws about drugs and and prostitution the way that they are shit would st- shit would go immediately south yeah so i don't agree with it in terms of current society but in in terms of like, let's say we have a more, what is that party called? Like uh, utilitarian, not utilitarian, <laughs> not utilitarianism. Yeah, who, who are like the the moderate people that are more Republican, libertarian, libertarian yeah, people, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> libertarian. So we're I can do anything I want as long as I'm not hurting other people. Yeah. Right. So if prostitution was legal, drugs were legal, and regulated, and made sure that everyone got safe stuff and like the, like we educate tr- ki- children on what drugs are just like the same way we educate children on hey when you don't drink 409 yeah you know <laughs> like you'll have a you'll have a really bad time if you drank a whole bottle of 409 yeah. i bet it gets you really fucking high too yeah. i bet it really i bet it really fucks you up you're like oh well and you die right yeah. you know what i mean so it's 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 clear that we can educate kids not to put things in their fucking body that they shouldn't yeah. Especially when we have better understandings of, of these substances and we were like, no, these are like things to help you internally regulate your mind. Right. And so it's something that's to be like sacred more than it is to be a party thing. But if you, you can use it as a party thing. It's all about how you protect yourself going into it and, and the knowledge behind it. Mm-hmm. I can take mushrooms and have a great time just partying. And right. I can also take mushrooms and, and sit on the floor crying, thinking about life and, and what's going on, and have j- the same benefit from both trips. Oh, yeah. Knowing that I'm going into it differently, uh, with different perspectives and but, different approaches. But how is that form of knowledge attained? education and, and is some it, research. Is it by someone telling you or is it by su- or is it by your ability to attain that knowledge for yourself through experience? And so that's the thing. So we have to open the door for I experience. feel like human beings, one of the, the most fatal attributes of being human is its drive to push boundary. To 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 push beyond what is taught to you mm-hmm. and to try it for yourself. And so it's like if you set limits and guidelines, people are going to try to push beyond that. And that's Just naturally speaking. But and I mean they'll I mean the same problems will subsist if that's if that's necessarily the case. But at least the education will be there and they'll subsist on the merit of people trying to push the boundary. There's a difference when people push the boundary with the like with without the intention to do so. You know what I'm saying? When you're when you don't know where the edge is and you're just walking around and you fall off the cliff, that's really fucked up. But if you knew where the edge was and you're saying, "Hey guys, I'm going to fucking see how close I can get and 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 toe this line," mm-hmm. then that's how boundaries are pushed and that's how we advance and yeah. we will lose people. 
mm-hmm. and, we, and and that is the nature of advancement and evolution, right? Yeah, it's like at some point someone ate a bad berry. But I think everyone accepts that. I mean, look at like the best example of that is action sport athletes, like guys who do fucking crazy stunts on motorcycles. That's exponentially more dangerous than taking mushrooms. Oh, easy. you could take you could take a pound of mushrooms. And it's still more dangerous to do a backflip on a dirt bike. Yeah, I, I would immediately so. It's more dangerous to just ride a dirt bike than it is to take a pound of mushrooms. You'll never, right. you won't die if you take a pound of mushrooms. You'll be very scared and you won't know where you are for maybe three days. And yeah. maybe your mind won't ever come back, which is kind of, that could be a problem. That's where it becomes terrifying, yeah. But, but the more, the one of the biggest problems we have is that we've, we've put like, we we've stopped trying to research these things for so long. Yeah. Well, we don't know what is really happening and what are the actual effects of these substances on, on And I think the effects and the research changes over time. I don't think we can look at things that happened to people in the fifties and in the sixties when the research was being taken place and, and think that they correlate to today. Yeah. Well, and you have to also take different now. You take into perspective where, I mean, as far as the legalization of drugs and prostitution is concerned, I'm all for it. I honestly think that they should. I think prostitutes should have a cleaner environment, and they should be able to mm-hmm. to do that if they deem fit. Like if that, yeah. you know, if that's something, you know, I don't think people should be forced into it, and that's something that always needs to be but, treated with trepidation. But as far as drugs are concerned, I feel like they need to be regulated as far as how they reach the people. I think we need to unearth the underbelly, the crime syndicate that is necessary. It's like if you're hooked on meth, you should be able to administer smaller and smaller doses to get you off of it. So and if you want to get off of it, but then we can also teach people how to take these substances. Like a lot of what the drug literature shows is it's not necessarily that you just take the drug and it makes you so addicted that you throw your life away for it. It's that what people are constantly told is, and the reason a lot of people even take drugs is you need to go to school, you need to get a job, you need to have 2.5 kids, right? And when you're 60, you can live your life. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that sounds fucking horrible and miserable and depressing and sad. And if you don't fit into that narrative, well, here's this subculture that exists that welcomes you with open arms, but the problem with it is they're all misfits. They're all outcasts. And you have people in that culture that a lot of them are some of the best people on the planet. They'll give you they'll do things for you that no one else would do in in, in those upper echelons of society if we if, if you think of it as a caste system. Yeah. Right. But mixed in with that are the worst people in society, right? The people who are skinning children on film and then lighting their bodies on fire <laughs> in front of their parents and fr- like while they rape their mom so the dad yeah. can watch right before they behead him mm-hmm. just because that's what happens when you try to buy a kilo short a few hundred dollars yeah well you know? that, that, that's why like you that's need to unearth that underbelly but also i mean you have to take into consideration the aspects of mental illness we don't mm-hmm. have asylums for these people anymore. We don't have places where they can go. And it's because at the time they were incredibly inhumane. 
Yeah, they're doing experiments. On yeah, they're doing experiments on <laughs> mentally ill literally people. Literally into their yeah, fucking yeah, you get fucking the lobotomy ice pick scenario going on. We'll just take but that I mean, if we can figure out. out, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, the majority of the homeless people, because I mean, we work on a bad side of town, like Zephyr and I both. And seeing the types of people that come in there that are just walking the streets on on our particular block. I don't think you would be able to pull them back to sanity. A lot of these people. And so you also have to realize that there's not only maybe the coherent psycho putting coherent and psychopathic into a one particular area would be ridiculous, but people that are like, Oh, you're short a couple hundred bucks on your kilo. I'm going to, I'm going to light your kid on fire and, and fuck your wife and rape your wife. <laughs> There is there is the other side that that plays in multiple bis- different facets at the same time. There are ten different personalities, and that you don't know which one you're going to get when they walk in the door. And you 100%, and yeah. you, whether they're violent or mundane, whether they're whether they're loving or hateful, or whether they're murderous or peaceful, like you don't really know. And we've abolished that facility in the United States. And I think with the proper guidance, we might be able to institutionalize something like that where those people are cared for. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not all about just, like, pure capitalism in the sense that, no, you either make your money or you die. Like, I, I, I believe in a more nuanced position, and I believe for some, so, like, socialist help for people like this. Is it possible? Is something that remains to be determined. Like that's I agree with that's that. yeah. that's where I'm kind of sitting at right now. Is like, well, do people make their money and then the dead die? Or, I think it's or a multifaceted we, approach. Of course. Well, yeah, and that's the that's the problem with the situation is that people can't understand wrap that. their heads. I don't think that there's even one person or a group of a hundred that can really figure out. But there, there's like fucking, I, 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 how so to I, generate and how to move forward. I, listen, I don't know how I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and he has like expert experts coming on to talk about these things. And, and their approach is so linear all the time. And I don't know if it's because they're trying to market a message and they don't want to make it overly complicated, but bro, you got three hours. You don't need to keep restating the same point. Fucking dive well, but deep that's into all they it. know. Like that's the thing. I don't that's think people think about it. That's adverse of of being universally trained, or like from a university, you're trained. Mm-hmm. It's like you have focused on one aspect, one thing to attack. And I think that it's good for Joe Rogan to bring on people that have a single minded point of view of the the aspect of society that they want to fix or or. Improve or improve yeah. necessarily like that's that that's something that I feel like is an admirable quality, but we need to be able to come together. And if we still can't refacilitate, if we can't figure out how to kind of bring that all together and how to move society to that next step, where the people that really honestly, honestly cannot care for themselves, or and then separate those from the people that are just lazy. Well, the problem is we do have money to do that, though. Like, I don't you, know if we do. I we're a debtor nation. We already we already give out a lot of our money to healthcare. We already give out like I don't I don't know if we're in the position to do anything like that. I really, I would disagree. I think I don't know if we're in the in the proper place to do something like that. Before, 
before the next world war where i mean if we win then it'll be great but if not then i think it comes down to integrating a system that operates the the monetary gain of the system is directly correlated to the health of the society mm-hmm. mental and physical health of the society so the better off people are the more the economy benefits from that mm-hmm. and that's kind of like if you look at all the noise in the economy turns out that when you educate people well and they have health care and they have mental health resources all of a sudden, they start doing really well. They start producing a lot more. Well, they become way more productive. And, and so we see that within the noise already. And what I'm saying is, if you're looking at it from a purely business perspective, in terms of like uh, all these corporations do, okay, well, how's it going to affect my bottom line? How's it going to affect with the shareholders, right? Well, bro, if you want to make more money, you need to have a healthy society. And not just in the U.S. It needs to be global. Right, the healthier the planet is, by proxy, the better we will be. It, there is the, the, there is no argument that you can you can really create. It's almost infallible to an extent. I mean, there there's maybe small things you could say about it, but the bottom line is, if you could monetize that, then, and I think it may be. We'd have to be in a weird place between something that kind of like is in a uh, in a um, quantum positioning, you know, a superposition between decentralized and centralized kind of government, like world yeah. government, where there's so it's kind of like how we have like there there is an overseer that sees to the development on the industrial side, and then there is but it's the integrated in, enough. There that is it the decentralized aspect which cares for other people mm-hmm. you know and, it's and like, they keep I, each you other know, in I'm check a, i'm a big tim pool fan Who's overall it? tim pool yeah do you know who tim pool is uh, you know one of the the reporters for vice you know uh, okay he's a he's an interesting cat overall and so you know i'd recommend him to people that don't know but um he came up with the or like he was just coming up with an idea where he to give a little bit of background, AOC um, put out uh, a thing saying, "This is my, this is my abuela from Puerto Rico. She's living in poverty, and because of the hurricane, it made things worse. You know, there's uh-huh. buckets that are just sitting underneath that are just draining into, you know, there's just rainwater drain. Uh-huh. You know, there's her house is utterly destroyed." And a bunch of the right-wingers, say Ben Shapiro and Barry Weiss, other people, were started a GoFundMe to help AOC, a, you know, a prominent left-winger. She didn't take it. Get her money. Yeah, like, get her money to fix her abuela's house, and she refused it. But Tim Pool said, like, what if we just start a campaign where right-wingers and left-wingers made a competition out of who could raise more money to help Puerto Rico? Yeah. Like, there's a way to even weaponize... The mutually assured destruction. (laughs) Yeah, weaponize the right and the left and their animosity towards each other for the common good, for charity, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what if it just expands Abuela's house and is all of Puerto Rico? And then 
think if 78 million versus the 81 million, you know, the same precursor, like who voted for Trump or who voted for, for Biden were to donate a dollar, you would turn that fucking area of Puerto Rico, not only off its ass, Mm-hmm. But into like a, a whole new region, dude. Like into a in a whole new metropolis. Like and, if you think will, that a culmination of a hundred million dollars, over a hundred million dollars into infrastructure for that tiny little island, think about the good that that would do. Like honestly, sure. like really think about that for half a second. As long as it's managed correctly. You know, well, these I fucking mean, charities, bro, they have the like well and think how of, many people are lying in their me. pockets, you know? Yeah. Yeah, GoFundMe is like, hey, is this for charity? We'll take 20%. Yeah. Oh, I'll take 20%. I'll make sure to hire the, the proper wh- wait, 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 wait. Why are you taking 20%? Oh, well, we host a platform. AKA bureaucratic functionality. But How much yeah. do you pay to host this platform? Mm, not terribly a whole lot. Okay. How much is your profit? Oh, fuck ton. Okay. Um, so how how many funds of your profit is actually stealing from charities. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, but even what? then, like if you were to take <laughs> it in consideration, fuck? like use the prior demographic that I used before, like $40 million, say $40 million were still taken off the top. That's still over a hundred million dollars that are going to that corporation. Mm-hmm. It's like, no matter how bureaucratic the functionality of GoFundMe is, the amount of money that would flood into that tiny little island mm-hmm. could benefit them not only f- to generate them up until where they were before that last hurricane season, but above that. They might be able to prepare for the next one. They might be able to do that. Like, I mean, it, it feels weird to always assume that... Well, I don't think it feels weird. I think that we need to transcend the bureaucratic functionality. Right. I always feel like we need to cut a lot of the fat. Like if if I were to take into consideration, like if I were to run for president, I'd demolish the ATF. I'd go through and just start cutting out the bureaucratic functions that have just been sitting there scrounging for that last freaking dollar. I don't know why no one does that. I don't know why no one actually goes after the system itself. But hell, I mean, you raise enough money, you're going to transcend the bureaucratic functionality. And I feel like that's... I think I, I think, feel like the capitalist, the public could do that. I feel like the if the public just takes enough money, circumvents the government, and just fucking pumps money into Puerto Rico, no matter if fucking Puerto Rico takes twenty percent, or or not Puerto Rico, but fucking GoFundMe takes forty percent out of that whole thing, it's still going to benefit them for the better and far more than the government ever could. I agree. I don't know. It's sad that this shit happens all the time everywhere. And there's no... I mean, fucking cry me a river. Like, honestly, it's like... I mean, if you think that being alive is anything short of just suffering with in hope... In, like, just minor glimpse of happiness in between, I, I, I think you're delusional. Like, and it might be a particular... A particularly... Uh, not kosher agreement or not a kosher perspective, but life fucking sucks, man. 
you're faced with challenges every single day, and it only depends on your perspective. Yeah, I don't know if it sucks, but it's definitely hard and challenging. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. And I'm, cha- I'm using I, I'm yeah. I'm using sucks as is, a, as a perspective. Uh, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's it's, but the challenge is always. Can you make this positive? Which is the fucked up part of life is, you know, when, like today, like I, <clears throat> so I do jujitsu, right? And I have been a white belt for fucking two and a half years. And then uh, people who started before me have already gotten their blue belts. And guys, like, I'm arguably just as good, if not better than, right? And I, today, six more people that I train with all the time, that I do really well against, almost all the time, all got their blue belt, and I didn't, right? And my coach said when I first got there, he thought I was a blue belt. So I'm like, and everyone tells me, hey, man, what, are you like a, are you a purple belt? Are you a blue belt? I'm like, no, I'm still a white belt. Right when I roll with them, and I realize like it's it's really dumb because that shit gets in your head a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And so I always have this immediate like guilt, like don't think that, dude. Like that's really lame. It's just the belt doesn't matter. Just learn, right? And so life is about these like fucking dumb little challenging perspective shifts that you have to do to to. Because what, what they really are is just distractions. If I kept worrying about whether or not I should be a blue belt or not, I wouldn't be focusing on getting better at jiu-jitsu. It would only be angry, trying yeah. to, like... And then there's, like... And I've done that before. I've done the thing where, like, oh, I want to show a coach that, that I deserve a blue belt. So I'll go harder with people. And, and, and then you accidentally hurt somebody. Right, like, and it's not like even that you didn't like let go of a submission in time. It's like you were just moving too fast, and a knee hit someone's like head or something, or maybe you stabbed them in the neck, and then (laughs) and then (laughs) they were bleeding out on the mat. Pull out a knife and And just fucking stab them in the neck. Look, motherfuckers, give me my blue belt, or you're next. No, (laughs) no, but. but it's interesting that, that we're talking about that because I was thinking, I just literally, it's it's such a dumb thing, but it's always in my mind. It's like, fuck, dude, how long until I get my blue belt? Like, yeah. it's because, like, personally, I've never really accomplished, like, on paper a lot of things. Right. Right? So I feel you like I have boat. talents and I feel like I'm good at things like skateboarding and stuff, but I've, there's never, like, I don't have, like, a medal to show for it. And it's like, I don't have anything to reaffirm my identity that's outside of me, right? Yeah. And and so that's a challenging place to be in as a fucking ape that can think about stuff, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, my ape brain is always thinking, man, you know, it'd be really nice to have that. No one gives a fuck if you have a blue belt. They th- they're like, wow, that guy got a blue belt. But nice. it means more to you. But it means more to me. But I realized, though, that it was fucking up my training. And so, I've started doing this thing where I'm like, oh, that's exactly what was supposed to happen. I wasn't supposed to get it today. Today's not the day I get it. Right? Yeah. Because what happens is we, we're narrative creatures. We have to tell ourselves a story about why anything is happening. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, and we do this we do this intuitively. Like we don't really have a choice. Like they've done studies where it's like, why did you pick that color? And it was there's only it was only a random chance that they'd pick that color. But then people with like aphasia and they don't re- like 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 they don't remember why they pick certain colors, right? They're like they make up a story about why they chose that color that's completely false. Yeah. Or is it though? Like from their perspective, it is ultimately true at that particular period of time. Exactly, but that's what. But the the point is, is, is it's true because your brain is telling you it's true. Mm-hmm. It's not true to the outside world, uh, to to the same extent. Yeah. Right. And and so. Well, and I, I mean, I I like to kind of point out that, like the current philosophy that I've kind of been living my life for the past couple of years is under the 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 pretense that. I, li- I live in three different states at all periods of time. It's I as myself, myself. Mm-hmm. And then there is I as I perceive myself. And then there is I as perceived by others, right? And so it's just like, you know, I personally, I want to receive affirmation for the things that I do. And that feeds into the I as I am perceived by others. But if I'm not true to myself in the attainment of that particular goal, then I'm not living up to I as I perceive myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And the overall health is kind of underlined of me as myself. So I'm I'm always kind of living in these three states where it's like, what am I being true to? Mm-hmm. Right? It's just like, and I think that you're playing the same game with your jujitsu, right? Where it's just like, you feel like you should move on. And then you want the affirmation as far as I as perceived by others to be moved into the blue belt category. Mm-hmm. But you know that you, underneath all of that, I as perceived myself might need more work in order to attain that goal. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like humans are in a constant state of anxiety over these sorts of things. And that's kind of just how I over, like overall perceive my existence in the world and how I move around. And it's it's tough, man. It's just like I mean, I know that you you have a degree. I don't. Like I I'm just a thinker. I just sit in my house. I you know occasionally play music with friends. Like I degrees don't mean anything. By degree, the way. well, they, but they do I, as I perceived by a, others, right? Per, that's that's, that's you, you know, it's it's a fallacy to say that they don't mean anything. Where it's just like, no, you you might be able to receive a job over me, and you might be over like you know you you are in a position of power over certain others based on how others perceive you. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, like, and I'm so caught up in that triad, you know, I fail to see anything a lot of the time. I'm, I'm stuck in a state of skepticism, and I've talked about this with, with Zephyr before on a previous podcast. It's like, I don't know what I want to do. I always feel like, you know, no matter what I choose, I have to be uh, like an Igor to that thing that I choose to be, to that ideal that I choose to become and ultimately feel dissatisfied with once I attain it. Like I, that's my fucking problem. Whereas just like, you know, I kind of like your healthy mindset of always moving forward. Whereas just like, you know, I don't need to achieve that today or, or that wasn't my, it wasn't, it wasn't something that needed to be achieved today or gosh. It's not that it needed. It's it's that it wasn't. 
that, that the it wasn't, reality. It, it's not a big deal that it wasn't achieved today that I will. Not even that it wasn't a big deal. It's just that's the radical acceptance of the reality of the moment. It yes. wasn't achieved today. Yeah, and I love that. And and it's the idea that the universe, the universe doesn't conform to you. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time when we're telling ourselves a narrative that that uh, they talk about, it's like it's a, it's, a, it's a river, you know? You're flowing downstream, and me wanting to get my blue belt, thinking that I should have got it today, is me trying to resist the river. Yeah, to push it in another direction. I'm trying to swim upstream. Mm-hmm. And if I'm too busy f- fucking s- trying to swim upstream, I'm going to miss so much shit. Right. I'm gonna be stuck in one place. Yeah, you're no longer the you're no longer the river, but the salmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know how it ends. We don't know how it that, how it ends, you know. So the best thing I can keep doing is just because what it's it's it comes down to the idea of what is the ultimate goal. It's like this is why I think it's so important to just allow people to live, right? If I didn't have to worry about making rent and going to work, I would. I mean. Everyone comes up with shit to complain about, but there'll really be nothing to complain about. You can survive, yeah. right? And what it comes down to, after you can actually have this and I don't have to worry about it, then then becoming a jiu-jitsu blue belt doesn't mean anything. All it means to me, all jiu-jitsu really means is the ultimate goal is just to get better at jiu-jitsu, yeah. right? And And... The same thing with like when it comes to living in a in a place that you don't have to actually pay for. It's already you can I can eat I can I have a, I have a shelter. But then the next step is just to do what's necessary to afford the things that are external that I want, right? Mm-hmm. Like the jujitsu room, right? And then maybe I get a job, but then it's way more satisfying because now I'm now I don't have to worry about what happens if I lose my job. Right. Like I lose the studio. But that's on me, mm-hmm. right? If I lose my house, that's fucked up. Now I'm really fucked. It's not so much that it's, I mean, it's on me, but it's a different set of things. Because if, like, let's say, um, who's a favorite artist? Name your name your favorite artist. Or, uh, Kanye. Kanye. Let's say, <laughs> well, let's say that Kanye, because he, he came from, I think, the streets, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kanye from the streets? Probably. Yeah. And I knew he was a cro- crooked you know, what, what, what was it? I, I came with a crooked jaw and a backpack, right? That's, exactly. That's so, had his mouth wired shut. So, when, let's say that that person with so much talent to offer the world, so many people enjoy his music, right? Superstar. If he became homeless and couldn't make music, he didn't have the tools, no one believed in him, but he was really talented. He just couldn't, be in the situation to do so. That's a that's a travesty for the world. Right. That's not something that's just sad for him. Now you've taken something away beautiful that the world could have inherited. Yeah. By giving people the ability to live because we have the resources to do that. And so I'm not saying that I, mean, I can make so, beautiful yeah. things or whatever. I'm not saying I'm gonna be like some great artist or what whatever the fuck. But giving people the opportunity to to run in that direction with with knowing that if they fail, they don't fail fail. Yeah, they don't fall out on the street. Yeah. Well and that you know, that 
I mean, to play devil's advocate, because I, you know, what you're telling me is truly inspiring, and I honestly, I, I want to believe, like I truly, honestly want to believe that's the case for every human being. Like, well, I don't know if how mad, like, like, you know, if we if we make sure that people have affordable housing, or not even just affordable, but they have housing, mm-hmm. and they have basic necessities and in place so that they don't start. We could just say if they die. didn't have a job, they'd be fine. Yeah, like to say that they didn't have a job and they'd be fine. But I, I don't want to bring up the, the... Like, even when we were writing the song today, one of my mind, like main points and one of my lyrics was the fact that people are inherently insane. And that there are just varying degrees of such. What if, and I'm, I'm, I don't even think I should say this is a what if, but there are just people that I have encountered in my life that when they are homeless, and the people that we're referring to are homeless, they they don't have the facilities necessary to necessarily determine their own meaning or to determine that next step, right? It's like if you get them cared for, but then still give them their autonomy, they'll figure out a way to destroy themselves. And I'm not trying to say that to be condescending or like I'm genuinely worried about that problem, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's just like if we give people money to make sure that they have housing and they have food and they have all of these things, will they be able to generate of anything that wouldn't ultimately in the long run collapse the infrastructure that was helping them in the long, like, you know, add on a couple of years. Well, I think, I think, um, cause that's the vast majority of homeless people I've met. They're not coherent and that might have something to do with drugs. But even if you get them off, off their drugs, how far gone are they? I've met quite a few people that honestly disturb me because I feel like there's a connectivity to them where it's just like, you're a coherent individual and you're young and you have so much to offer the world. And it disturbs me because I'm I'm terrified at the position you're at, right? I'm terrified mm-hmm. that you're on the street and you shouldn't be. But far more likely is it's an unhinged individual. And I don't want to villainize them. It's just like I, I understand that they're people that need help. But is it a do we need to facilitate them getting and gaining freedom through housing and then allowing them to be autonomous individuals or by making sure that they keep themselves alive? in an institution that can care for them. Well, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Where it's just like, where do we put well, our I, money? I, I see what you're saying. And I think, I think the structure would be to, for those individuals, you give them that facility, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you think about the cost, it would, it would pretty much be the same. If they had their own place, it would, it would almost be more expensive. Yeah. If you put it them would, in a facility, there's a shared facility. The rent's kind of lower. When yeah, you when you have hopefully. shared rooms, yeah, and then you have good staff, so I guess you increase the price. But you, that, you, that's where the increase in price would be is the fact that you need to hire true doctors and mm-hmm. and and facilitators to make sure that they maintain their livelihood in some way that seems humane. But I think just what, to say the least, just humane. But I think a lot of what the problem is is we approach these problems from the perspective that. We need to fix it so it works within the current system. I don't think things work in the current system. 
No, and well, and I, I, I didn't. I'm. We're proposing beyond current system right yeah. now, and even my proposal is still beyond current system. I'm proposing that when I when I speak about these things, I'm always coming from the perspective that we need to. Um, First and foremost, understand that the goal of humanity as a unit, as a world species, whatever, we're a part of an ecology of a planet. Yeah. And we, 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 we played a role in it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to play the healthiest role in that. Right. Right? Because uh, we're so influential that, so I mean, we, that we're I, like the nervous system In the, the most Earth. macabre sense, the people that can't put forth into that, do we turn them into fertilizer? Like, like, no, that, that's what I'm saying. Where it's like people. a true draconian, like, this is why, like, what, a, like a, just a complete, like, oh, you're no longer helpful to the, to the ecology of the planet and you can't enforce enough GDP to make yourself even self-sustaining. What do we do to that person? Well, I think what happens is, so it's I, a, I wouldn't say that taking the route of what's most healthy for the planet is necessarily what you'd ultimately want to go for. Is, do you see what I'm well, saying? Well, it's not just a planet. It's it's um, the the broader picture. The planet's the first part. But what I'm, what I'm really trying to hit on is as a species, as, as an entire ecology in the planet, is we need to protect ourselves against existential threats first and foremost. Yeah, which we'll never, we'll never be able to be 100% safe. Uh-huh, yeah, but but if our focus is directed at saying, here are the current problems, let's make schools orient the education towards solving these problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the homeless crisis is part of, is, is an existential crisis. Yeah. Right? It's not on the biggest scale. Well, and even I mean, human insanity is an existential crime, mm-hmm. like crisis. Like, I teeter on that oblivion all day long. And there's, there's technology That's- that... That's coming out that can fix a lot of that stuff. Stuff like Neuralink, that has that has really strong potential to to because you can essentially entrain brain rhythms, and yeah. you can make people feel quote unquote normal, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it still scares the fuck out of me. I don't yeah, know what that well, really means. Yeah, because there's the endocratic function of the brain, and then there's the the, the actual electrical part of it. Well, the, the also so if they can control like the neurochemical aspect of it, that's pretty terrifying to me. Like, uh, you know, well, they can. Do we want? Does humanity want to move into hive mind? Like, that's what we really well, want to know. Like, that's, that's what's what, scary. I think it's inevitable. You think human humanity? Ooh, that's interesting. Because I think, I think wh- that human potential lies in, in its individual function. I think that's where that's where innovation comes from. Like I don't, I don't see us progressing or moving forward if to we move point, into the hive mind. We're, we're all innovating to a point, right? There's the catalyst, right? So I think what happens is, and this is why we probably can't predict what happens after it, is because, well, because you wouldn't have the autonomy to do so. Well, not necessarily that, but it's autonomy and being a part of the mind are one and the same thing. I don't know if that's necessary. that's that's part of the human condition is that we're not all well, part I of think it. we're already we're, we I think we already do it though. Like we already function as a superorganism and we're not aware of it. Without perfection, without difficulty. I mean we're at the we're at the brink of World War Three right now. No no I, that's what I'm saying. but imagine if everyone had Neuralink, right? 
Imagine if we were cyborgs that could live forever on, on just on those principles. So we're, we're in constant communication with each other. Mm-hmm. We're, we're connected the same way neurons would be connected in the brain. Yeah. And so what I think happens is we have these... It's the, it's the trippy thing about the universe is it's, it's fractal in a sense that we become... Uh, we're essentially... I, I think we're the neurons... Of the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're the ones that evolved to that state faster than anything else here. Right. And I think we're the ones that observe the planet more fully than anything else here in terms of our ability to manipulate the environment and everything like that. Yeah. As and far understand as its context yeah. of the universe. And then when we get to the point where we can be ephemeral entities that just evaporate into space and retain connection to not just each other, different nodes in the system, but also retain our own identities in the system. Right. I think that's where we're headed. And right. that's well, and that's like as close as you can get to God in terms of being able to speak about it. Well, and, and I would, and I mean, as far as I would talk about man, like, it gets weird, because it's like, I, I mean, I've had even acid trips that pertain to that particular ideology, where we all become like a unified structure underneath like a, a hive mind, where there is there is like, like a collective force of knowledge that's like integrated at the center, and then dispersed throughout it's all the like individual b- nodes, which are humans, which are cyborgs or whatever, and they disperse themselves throughout the planet. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean... I mean, we're really getting out into the abstract, but to say that you are to into like to encounter another life species, like another species on another planet that doesn't have the same system, and they function with relative capability, you know, not necessarily the same as our own. Like we're more advanced than they are because we reached them, but are we going to enforce our will on them? I don't think there's an in- incentive to enforce will at that point. Well, because I think if we want to assimilate the universe and to just disperse but why would, ourselves, but why would we need to? Right? I think there's a certain level of we would just adapt, but then you could adapt to a planet that doesn't assimilate with yourself. That's the problem with assimilation, right? Is that you're going to constantly expand into the universe, and you're going to assimilate everything to your will. Like I, I just watched. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a great freaking series. It's uh, Invincible. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that yet? Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime. It's it's a, like it looks very DC comic, but it's a, about an alien dude that shows up on a planet and spoiler alert wants to assimilate it to its ultimate goal, right? Like we want to become God, and if you're gonna have that state of mind and in, in, ingrained into the hive mind. Screw your aboriginal techniques. Mm-hmm. Screw everything that you have to say. You're weak and you're powerless. I I control solar systems. I control everything. Like, and that's the problem. It's just like, it ultimately, at a hive mind state, becomes a form of totalitarianism. And it's just like, I still believe in the individual. Without that, once you become the hive mind, there is no innovation. Once you can move out into the universe exponentially, there's there's no innovation. There's no I think we there's go to no a... place for nuance. There's no place for any of these things. There's no place for any aspect in which that is human. 
is the same reason that I abandoned the idea of God as my parents and my grandparents and my grandparents before that believed. I believe in the human condition. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's... Maybe that's a fault of our own destruction, and that's something that's going to carry on and, and eventually eradicate all of us. But it's something that, at the end of the day, I still ultimately believe in. Well, so I think which is an existential problem in and of itself that you and me might end up on the opposite ends of this coin if it ends up happening. You know, like I think of you as a friend, and I think of I love your ideas and the way that you think. But at the same time, it's just like I'm gonna. Im- I'm going to still fight for meat brain. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's a weird, it's a weird conundrum we face as far as human instrumentality, human evolution. Like, where are we going to go? It's like, are we going to stay organic? Or are we not? It's a far more existential question that we're going to face in the future at one point. Well, what is organic? I mean, orga- I think organic is just anything that exists in the universe. Oh That's yeah. That's kind of how I feel. And I mean, I, you know, I even see in some augmentation, like I'm, I'm not against it, but, as the idea of connecting all minds into one. I mean, that is quite literally what I understand to be God. So, like, I agree with you. But I've been fighting against that thing since I gained my individuality. Like, that's the something I think what you're worried about is a phase of becoming God. I think there's a small phase where... Well, I think the vast majority, especially if you're going to expand. But, yeah, continue. I think there's a small phase where technologically it's not to the point where it's in. So imagine something that can exist without having to integrate into the laws of the universe. Mm -hmm. That would be God. Something that has external domain over the universe. At that point, there's no... I can't feasibly understand an incentive to even manipulate the universe at that point. Yeah. I don't know what what evolutionary so pressures. It, right? Yeah, you you just are the universe. You just attain nirvana. And you become the it's, basilisk. It's this thing where you start, we start at point zero. Let's say our greatest common ancestor, the the amoeba thing that lived in the ocean that split it off and made multicellular life mm-hmm. we started at this this zero point and now we're dimensionally scaling up in terms of consciousness to a point where a consciousness and influence and then it it all kind of comes full circle where you you just realize oh i've been the zero point this whole time this is just how it always is well, and always will isn't be that where we already are that that is the crazy thing about it is well Here's I what think I've the really Buddhists thought. came upon that years ago, millennia, like thousands of years ago. This is the thing that's weird about it, is where we are right now, that God thing doesn't exist yet, which is fucking... But once the God thing does exist, it can and will recreate all of this. Yeah. So it there is a point in the cycle, or if you are in that point in the cycle the entity is not existing yet. We are the entity, or we are some, maybe a, a We're possible... We're the carpenters, so to yeah. speak, from a biblical sense, the carpenters of... Divinity. That's interesting. Or the architects of divinity. Yeah, the architects are the carpenters of divinity, but 
I feel like that's just how human beings have been from the get-go. It's, it's tough to say where we go, right? Like, that's... What do you mean when you say that it hasn't been... That this, that this thing hasn't been created yet? So let's say that people... Let's say we start as a single cell. We uh, Evolutionarily, we grow into people. They just so happen to be able to create technologies that have um, the potential to uh, influence the, the physical laws that exist in the universe, yeah. And say it gets so good at that, that the entity can advance so far that it, it has external domain over the universe, which means it has external domain over time. But prior to that happening, it didn't. We're still the same entity. We're actually still the amoeba in terms of this, this spectrum. And what's, what's weird is, depending on where you are in that timeline, God either exists or does not exist. Once you are part of the entity that is God, you exist as all of the timeline because you have domain over the timeline. But if you exist as the entity that's inside of God, as, like, we talked about this, like, it, our perspective, you can't be God. You are the asymptote of God. You are the asymptote of divinity in terms of human perspective. And and so God is everything around you. The divine is all that is with, around you but is not you. That's where I think Buddhist philosophy comes to that, that, that hollow point when they say everything that's deep inside of you is empty. Like the, the, the pinnacle of everything is emptiness. And that's because... We're the asymptote of divinity, if that makes sense. We are the emptiness with inside the divine because our perspective is is solely that of which where the divine does not exist yet. I feel like that's a weird contradiction between like the history of humanity and the fact that like God has become less and less of a figure as like a imaginary figure that we project ourselves into like religion has slowly over the thousands of years become a decline in this in this sort of uh, arena metaphysical idea whereas you're stating that like we're we're not even on the precipice of god yet in actuality i think we're closer than we've ever been but we've been. That's what. That's what's crazy is that God has, the idea of God. Well, the, the idea of God has been on the decline. Exactly. Well, here's what. Here's my rebuttal to that, is I see what you're saying, and I think there's a difference between what I'm saying, and what religion is. Religion is externalizing God into something other than us. And our path, our evolutionary path. This, this is my whole divinity delusion thing. The divinity delusion is to take the idea of God and make it something external of the human condition. It's not the human condition. It's what's created humans. I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. I think it's backwards. I think, what's my, what's my quote? The embryo of God lies within the psyche of man. We are God. We are the thi- we are the things that will give birth to God. I don't personally know if humans will do it, though. I think we're, in a lot of ways, maybe the sperm cells that get to impregnate the planets that 
allow evolution to happen. And then of all of these billions of and billions of eggs in the universe, one of them will hopefully recreate the universe and keep the cycle going. I would I mean what I would like to further elaborate on that particular subject um, I feel like the decline in God as a symbolic attribute attribute or archetype is fading but it's not like the existence of him is in any way declining in value well, it, it might it just be transferred into different things like scientific endeavor like into the sciences like into everything else just like alchemy became modern science does that make sense? Like where we're, you know, even more religious people are becoming more skeptical. It's just like maybe there's a termination point where. So the Greeks, they believed I, in. The, the Greeks were the ones that originally came up with the idea of the atom. Yeah. And thousands and thousands of years later, we finally realized that aspect somewhere we can electromagnetic spectroscopy identify an atom. So have we essentially realized the idea of an atom, whereas before it was only simply an idea that we could conjure into the mind? And is that what we're doing with God? Well, yeah, it would be the same as... Not to stop you guys, but I literally stopped... I said I have loads of space left. Loads of space in my soul. That thing went nowhere. I don't know. I get a lot of notifications. I thought I was just like, hey, it's your bedtime. (laughs) 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 You just had a reminder set for your bedtime. Yeah, I've never had this happen before. I've done like seven hour podcasts by myself. Like I've never had this (laughs) big of problems. But we're still streaming on Twitch, so we can keep going. But we have one viewer. <laughs> we have one viewer. What up? What's up, dude? <laughs> dude or dude that? What's going on? I mean, this is a this is an incredibly. Sorry, I think we. Long time ago, I think. Yeah, it stopped like thirty minutes ago. Is what it seems like. But we're still we're still streaming. Yeah, so if we're streaming, then, I mean, you might be able to pull something from that. But what I would try to say is that there is a there is an evolutionary process in which we cement things from myth into reality, and that might be the best way to put it. It's 100%. like God as a mythic structure, Yahweh, the, the trinity of, of, you know, being Brahma, Vishnu, and mm-hmm. Ka, or... Uh, it's our intellecty, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, we're, it's we're, our. We move what we already understand as a mythic structure into reality, and then we graft that onto the universe. Whether or not that's true for the universe is it, it remains to be seen all the time, and that's something that we're constantly fighting with. It's it's us fighting against our internal intuition versus the external reality. And then eventually, hopefully, we find like a convergence point. Is that what you're referring to, or is like mm-hmm. our internal intuition and our knowledge merges with the the universe in and of itself? And then that's when we become the basilisk, and that's when we become, you know, that the external reality that 
governs the forces of the universe in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I understand I, that presupposition. I do. There's definitely a precipice where we... The, the idea of God and... The, well, as far as humans can understand or we've discussed the concept of divinity at all, mm-hmm. all of the powers we've given and all of the limitations, whatever we've decided that it is in, in, in its complete sense, there's a there's a point where we can no longer be anything but that. Right, there is no separation between what humans are and what that is. Yeah, and and then well, what's after like that is kind of confusing, because I don't know if it's entirely a cyclical cycle forever, or if there's just infinite scales that can't even be imagined until reached. Like it's like, I always go back to the idea of like teaching an ant an calculus. Yeah, like you could sit down at a chalkboard all day, and you can even have com- ways to communicate with an ant. It can operate inside of calculus. They do. That's how death spirals work, right? Yeah. But it will never cognitively understand it. The apparatus isn't there. Yeah. So. Well, and is there, our it, apparatus there? We can design it. It doesn't have to be there now. That's what Neuralink and things are. And yeah. that's where the, the. But then wouldn't that require force in order to make it function to that degree, right? Well, and that's where at I the th- end of our first podcast, I said. The only way to actually experience truth is to say nothing at all, because the universe is already doing that on and of, in and of its own accord. Just be, just to be, just and that, be. Like and that's, that's the thing is just to be a fucking dumb ape on a rock and to just tinker around, I guess. But I mean, you're you're, you're so far from, I'm, and it, there's two positions that the asymptote lies. Right? It's just like mm-hmm. we either find a way to understand the universe in order to manipulate it, which we do on a small scale, on a global scale, which is unimaginably small, mm-hmm. right? Just by using the, the forces of our planet itself to understand the rest of the universe seems like a drop in the bucket. But, or is it on the other end of the spectrum that you, it's not necessarily like giving up, but it's realizing that you're only going to be a tinkerer. Uh-huh. Right, it's like you either assimilate the universe into your framework, or the framework indoctrinates you. But you are the universe, so you're you already are a, you are a a speck of a speck of the universe, and we are removed from the natural order. Uh-huh. We build our houses. We we is that is that true? The land. Or do we we manipulate the land and we bend reality as far as what we can control to our will. Or we think we do. I think this is also maybe another... The the fact that you live in a house with centralized heating, all of these things took thousands of years to development. This little light that took you an hour to set up took 10,000 years to figure out. Like, that's that's what I'm trying to say. It's like we we manipulate things on a small scale, Mm -hmm. but when does that reach its maximum output? I don't know if there is a maximum. Like, what is the function, right? Like, is well, there a the, maximum? The, the to maximum the output of our ability to understand the universe. I think the universe will infinitely in this, have in more data than our brain can personally interpret, or even all of us on so the planet can interpret. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, I know I what like you're your saying, idea, but I'm 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 trying to really put your thing to the test here. 
well, what happens when, let's say, this is where we get into the uh, the concept of um, fuck. What is it when everything is conscious? Poly. It's not polyamory. That's where you <laughs> fuck a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's close enough. Uh, a, a polyamorous pan, mental state, pan, maybe. Panpsychism. Thank pan you. Yeah, panpsychism. I knew I started with a P. Something. Yeah, where everything is inherently conscious. Yeah. So, I think there's. I think there's a, an advancement yet to be done where all conscious things are connected. I mean, they already are, but the awareness is all. Um, distributed through the system so that it, it 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 almost creates what our brains are probably doing right so our all of our neurons have some sort of awareness it's not yeah like you can chop a part of the brain out and it'll still be in some still way aware mm, it still it still function somewhat like it's a part of the brain too yeah. which is kind of weird mm-hmm. and but it doesn't know that it's a part of a brain right Depending on which part of the brain maybe, you cut out, I imagine. Maybe, Maybe yeah. if you cut out of the part of the brain that thinks it's a part of the brain. Then, then it yeah, might know it's a part it of the brain. It might know it's part of the brain. <laughs> but <laughs> Even though it's not anymore. Which is really interesting. But the idea is that you you take that. And, and so what our conscious might be doing is, is uh, collectively creating an experience that is sort of um, what, transcendent. Of the individual parts, and I think if if there's a technology that's yet to be made where all it just links all things that are conscious into a distributed or unified system, it doesn't matter what kind of system. Let's a just say they're all linked sorts, yeah. a network. Then feasibly, you create a transcendent universal consciousness, and that's how you get outside of the domain of the universe. Yeah. Now you can see the entire universe. What if that that network simultaneously makes us like once we link up to it, we just all crawl back up into trees and start throwing shit at each other? Like that's that's the ultimate thing, right? It's like, what if the natural order just is the natural order? What it, I mean, it is. And then, right? I mean, would there be a point? That's why. It, that's why it's already you, happened. If you link up to that thing, what if we're the divergent characteristic? What if what we consider consciousness to be in a complete and incalculable confusion? And then you tap into it and we find ourselves a way to reverse back and revert back to the point where we didn't diverge. Where we didn't fall out of the tree. You know what I'm saying by that? It's just like, I think the universe is doing plenty fine a job doing what it's doing, right? And I don't know how a way that we would be able to to get on top of it in, for, in, in order to really manipulate it in any way, shape, or form, other than to just carry on our genome as a bunch of psychopathic entities that move out and then just take totalitarian control of everything that we have. I see what you're saying. Well, that's probably just an inherent flaw, like you said, of people. I, I think we're flawed. I think we are, and I think that's, our, that's why we're talking about this right now. And, and that's why it's complicated whether or not we will reach this goal. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's like it's the sperm cell. What are the sperm cells of? Div- well, in the in the end, right? I mean, ultimately, the argument terminates itself in the sense that it's doing it already right now, and then well, whether or not we reach that right? goal or not, which I don't. 
the, the like me, I'm in doubt that we would reach that. I think we're going to be terminated far before. But we you know what's fucking crazy about system. it is you kind of don't have to worry about it either because there's, let's say this divine this divine thing does exist, right? Mm-hmm. It already once it exists, it already recreates everything that's existed because it has to be outside of the time and space. So it's already experiencing all of existence in all of time. Yeah. And the pro- by proxy of its own experience is creating you, right? Yeah. So you're, your mouth regardless McConaughey sitting in the black hole like just spanning <laughs> yeah. through all life so, and all of us, all human existence is just Matthew McConaughey sorting through the labyrinth that is the black hole. <laughs> we're all just driving Lincolns. Yeah, we're all driving I That's was driving a Lincoln is. far before anyone else paid me to drive one. <laughs> I created the universe far before anyone paid me to create one. <laughs> oh, dude, I hope Matthew McConaughey is the universe. I really honestly do, man. Keep the high eye, not the low eye. Have you seen that fucking... <laughs> oh, dude, that guy... That guy's, a, that guy's a national treasure. Protect him at all costs. That guy's wild. Hey, I wrote a book. It has many fucking interesting stories in it. That's you know why? Because I don't like I don't like red lights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it green lights because fuck red lights. Because we're not slowing down. We ain't slowing down. We just moving forward. But that's you know like these are all just really fun like esoteric conversation that I think is so rare in today's day and age. I think it's rare at the fidelity that we we have it at. I don't see anyone discussing these ideas to. The philosophical extent we take it to, and and like the only thing that even like remotely approaches it is like ancient like Buddhist or uh, you know Hindu philosophies, yeah. but th- they're so cryptic in the way they approach it, and they don't have any of the the, the tools of modernity to explain it, yeah. and and so they 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 do all of this like poetry around it, so it's it it's ten times more esoteric. Mm-hmm. You're tearing you're tearing apart, but it's also in a sense, when it's that poetic, it the the concepts of it seek in, I, I think seep into the subconscious of people easier. When it's very deliberate about how we say it, you can cognitively understand it, but then you have to do the work to let it sink in. And and it's like the the opposite is true when it's more poetic. When it's more poetic, the the nature of that feeling well, it's, it's, is already whether you want it to seep into the conscious or the subconscious aspects of humanity, right? Where it's just like poeticism, like it does, it seeps into that part of your brain that affects you from the underneath. Whereas maybe bringing this out into the foreground and putting it into conscious thought might help in that regard. So it's just like that, you know. I still think that what we talk about is important, but it, yeah, it's a, I, I feel like in some sense it's still very hard to follow, and I, I hope I hope that it translates well. Because I, yeah. like, I do think that these are important discussions. Like, well, what is the ultimate goal of humanity? Like, this is a very simplistic question that a fifth grader would ask, but it comes with a lot of pitfalls, you know? It's just mm-hmm. like, I mean, to say that it's the pursuit of happiness actually infuriates me to no end. Like, I don't I don't think that the goal of life is to be happy. I find that extremely obnoxious. Well, but psychologically speaking, it's really bad to seek happiness all the time. It's called oh, being manic. Yeah, that's called being <laughs> it's manic. It's literally that a disorder. literally what it <laughs> refers to. And that's, like, and it's written and ingrained into our Constitution, and so people take it as gospel. And it's just like, I still believe in constitutional aspects, but as far as 
to pursue happiness. It's just like no, you're you're chasing a phantom. I think I think that's that's a neurochemical thing that you'll feel every now and again. Like no, like it's just say I say you seek fulfillment, and then what that's does what fulfillment about. require? Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say exactly that is is the whole idea is what is fulfillment, and fulfillment is is something that can only be determined by by you and that's why right that's why teaching people how to derive and come up with their own narrative is so important yeah toward the idea of not happiness but fulfillment Mm -hmm. because that's the foreground i think that fulfillment is going to be the precursor to a longer form of happiness like you know it's just like it may be difficult and it may get you down and it may do all these other things you're going to have neurochemical imbalances along the way but at least you feel fulfilled Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a deeper sense of meaning. Mm-hmm. Meaning's far more important than happiness. Like that's that's just something you feel. It's not. It's not it's something you die for. You don't die for happiness. No, you die for that thing that you believe in. That meaning. That thing that you fight for. That's that's Viktor Frankl. This is logotherapy. Shout out to the death dialectic. Death dialectic. <laughs> Which, yeah, if you have that written down, I want to fucking read it. I have a fucking TikTok that explains it. I've watched a, a lot. I watched a lot of your like, like increment parts on Instagram. But you know, they need to. Like, I have to. I have to spend more time really diving into the philosophy of what the death dialectic really is because the TikTok is like, sort of just. It's just a, an enunciation of the tenets. Yeah. So these tenets are things that help you understand and derive how to begin a conversation with death and understand how you fit into the system. Of of the death dialectic, mm-hmm. essentially it's it's in the name. Yeah. You create a dialectic with death, and you and that propels you into the idea of what you need to do next in order to make your or just life like seem w- meaningful. Yeah, in the process. exactly. What would you, you die like you live for? Life every day, but you die only once. Mm-hmm. What would yeah. what, what would you die for? Right, like literally, like what would you die for? And what is worth killing someone for? What is worth taking a life for? And and asking yourself these questions over and over again in very serious ways is is a good way to not only start to understand where your shadow is. It's a it's a it's, it's an immediate stare stare into the abyss, mm-hmm. especially if you do it on like psychedelics. Well, it's, it's Nietzsche, man. It's just like yeah, you're into the abyss. The, the the abyss stares back, man, and it'll tell you. you but know, it's got things to say. But the difference is like. This the I've created like a sentence where it's like the catharsis of life is man's idiomatic catalyst for deaths. Mm-hmm. So the way we artistically uh, live our lives through expression of just the simple fact of living is is the idiom for death. Yeah. So it's our own dialect for how we understand what happens when we die, mm-hmm. and we can only achieve harmony in the catharsis and have a have a, a meaningful art artful expression in that if we if we develop a language for how we understand death and we seek harmony between life and death. You need to read some fucking Nietzsche man. <laughs> like you gotta read the birth <laughs> of tragedy dude. Like that's well because that's what he he follows dance, theater and music throughout the years. Right? So it's just like starting with even like pre-Greek and Roman and then like up. And then he's like showing you how all those things kind of unfold. And at the same time, even though he's 
greatly embarrassed by that particular work because he feels like it, you know, because he's Nietzsche and by the time he reaches his insane point, doesn't like it necessarily and edited it a couple times. But isn't it all just that it's the fact that we don't want to accept it, right? And in its own way, it's just like, no, this is our, I'm still alive today, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to produce music. I'm going to produce something that transcends that death. Mm-hmm. that transcends like what Ernest Becker life, talks about right? is like yeah like that's that I and find denial that so, of death. I, and like and then the, the various ways that people do that throughout time and I find that to be particularly inspiring it's like you know I think uh, I'm just a big fan of Nietzsche you can read him forever and then pick up something new it's almost biblical you know it's fucked uh, up but though. he's like I don't I won't follow a god that doesn't know how to dance like that, that, you know, it's like one of yeah. those things where it's just like, no, I'm not going to follow a structure that doesn't understand that. Like, uh, makes sense that the adherence towards death. And it's just like, even through its acceptance, you're still going to be fighting against it no matter what you create. Right. Cause that creation is the antithesis to that death. Mm-hmm. You want to just create and transcend yourself as far as what you can create. You want to create above and beyond what can be demolished by your death, by your own destruction. You know, you know what's fucked up too is that that creation. Well, there's two things. Is I haven't been able to make this into a neat little TikTok yet because I'm still f- trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh, dude, no, it's fucking <laughs> hard to put it into tiny little like but fucking I was, blurbs. I was thinking about what love is, and and I I think that. Love is just radical acceptance. And it's just the idea that understanding what... And so let's say if you wanted to engage in an act of love, all you have to do is radically accept what happens next. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's not... you. So say if I give... like Let's say I wanted to give Zephyr a gift just to be nice. I, But... Uh, and I don't expect anything back. And let's say, for whatever reason, he hates the gift and he murders me. <laughs> Why'd you give me my own mom's head as a present? <laughs> yeah, Love is the radical acceptance of understanding that this is just how the universe is. It's not that you have to enjoy or even like it. This is where we get confused in love. Love is radical acceptance. You are only doing something for the sake of doing it so that I mean so I would give Zephyr a gift because I wanted to give him the gift mm-hmm. right I don't want to give him a gift because I expect anything in return I just want to do something nice yeah and the love is not actually the gift giving the love is allowing whatever happens after that transaction to happen and and this is where this is where it gets important to have love when it comes to talking and having this death dialectic. You have to radically accept that you're going to die. Mm-hmm. That this is there is an end. Yeah. Whether or not we're capable of that in terms of like our cognition. Like can we actually you, fully you, you, comprehend you, what that means? I won't. don't know if we can. You don't. No. And I think that but, I think you can confidently say as far as pushing it forward, you can concretely state that you don't know what happens. Like but you can concretely to state radically that. accept that 
that you're okay with not knowing what happens. It's it or to even radically accept that you just don't feel like you're okay with what happens. Just to accept it. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's the last stage of death is acceptance. It's love. It's the relinquishment. It's the let go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the understanding that when you let go, that you will be caught by something. And I'm not saying that there's a life after death or anything like that. I'm that's just saying that's part of the that, human condition to mm-hmm. believe that, and mm-hmm. that's a part of our human psyche. I think is to realize that, and that's where healing lies. Guess where confidence comes from? It's radically accepting that whatever happens next is how it was supposed to be. Yeah. You don't have to be worried because you you will accept it no, no matter what happens. The, and this is why it's so important to integrate love into your... That's what the catharsis is. Art. The art of living is literally just love. Yeah. And, beca- and the reason the art of living is literally just love is because it is designed as the acceptance of death. Yeah. And I've, I've been trying to figure out how to say that the correct way. <laughs> I think you've done a good job. I think bro. I just I figured could, it out I think you just bit. figured it out. And this but is what this is for, man. Rigorous, rigorous acceptance. And then just putting what you think out there. And then, you know, bashing there it against is. other people. Bashing rocks against rosh, rocks until you got a polished rock that mm-hmm. looks nice. You know? <laughs> and you know where you fall into trouble, though, is when you don't do that. When I give Zephyr a gift and I expect something in return, and my the the the, the thing that when if I your go love to ju- comes with condition. When I go to jujitsu class and I expect a fucking blue belt, yeah, and I don't get it, then now I'm in turmoil. Yeah, now I'm in the antithesis of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, love is always there. Well, and then it's 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 up into the the, the greed. Yeah, it's now you're now you're. Subjected in, in in the thick of the quagmire that is the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the thing. It's just like you put forth this effort, and you don't expect anything in return. Then you can't be disappointed, right? That's like a, that's an adage that's gone on forever. It's a stoic point, actually, which is why stoicism has hung on as long as it has. But if you give out your, you know, your gift giving. With conditions, you'll only be disappointed. It's just like, um, like even if you get a better gift, it's just like, well, uh, that was a superficial gift. Like you can always find a way to condescend it if you had an image in mind of what you should receive in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree, and it's like this is why the Sisyphus tale is so interesting. Is love me some fucking Camus, dude. Is Camus he he pull he keeps pushing it up the hill and people think it's hell. But Sisyphus is in heaven because he's focused on the details inside the rock. He's focused on the moment. He's accepting what his well, he's accepting the, that's the his, state of the existence. That's his job. Mm-hmm. Right? And I mean it's like if you've watched Love, Death and Robots, there is it's on Netflix. It's great. It's a, like a 15-minute short, and I'd recommend you read it because it's... I watched the first watching. season. Yeah, the first season. So do you remember there's, the there's Zima second Blue? second season. You remember Zima Blue, mm-hmm. the guy that goes and travels the entire universe? And he becomes and then, just a squeegee. And then just becomes <laughs> the squeegee that he was originally to, to just go and pursue the simple task of a... Or to pursue something with the affirmation of a simple task well done. Well, and the, at the right? end of the and day... And then he's just like, I've pursued all of the complexities of life, and all I really want is to feel fulfilled at the end of the day. What is, after thousands of years, Sisyphus has been imprisoned for several thousand years now. 
pushing that rock up on the hill, having it roll down. He pushes the rock up the hill. It reaches its precipice and rolls back down. That is the only thing that he has to do. That's it. The rest of the worldly desires melts away after a series, like after a certain point. And that's Camus' point. It's not so much that if you were just to be Sisyphus right now, that you'd be immediately happy pushing a rock up the hill. It's not an immediate thing. It's like, this is my purpose. This is what I do to serve. And like, even from a Sisyphus standpoint, to serve that point. Mm-hmm. He may not exist. Sisyphus probably isn't real. There's no, there's no underbelly or up above that you can understand or interpret. I was on mushrooms, bro, and there is. And they told me not to talk about it. It was fucked up, bro. <laughs> Dude, I took way too many mushrooms. <laughs> I, I took, bro. I, 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 I don't know. You didn't. You don't have me on Snapchat. I took a Snapchat. I was, I was already fucked up on mushrooms, and I thought I did this thing where I was like. Oh, dude, mushrooms are a technology, and um, and it's in, it's an alien technology, and it's designed to help me understand the nature of the universe. So I need to take more to communicate with the aliens. I was running on mushrooms when I was thinking this, and <laughs> and I, and I was like wine drunk, and so I just took a fuck ton more, like more than I've ever taken already <laughs> on a lot, <laughs> and I remember just like sitting there staring at my wall. I'm like, come on. Because my wall is moving and shit. And they're like, come on, show me some shit. And they're like, do you really want to see this? And I was like, yeah. And so I'm doing this narrative in my head. Yeah. And they're like, all right. And then it showed me this really beautiful, like the the universe dissolved into just this fabric of, it was almost like yarn, like colored yarn. But it, that's the only way I can describe it. It's not what it was, but it was just a fat, it was like a fabric. And immediately I was like, oh, that's what's beyond the veil. That's just what's always there. That's always there. And it took me back to this feeling of being in, like, kindergarten, knowing that that you can't wait for your mom to pick you up. Yeah. Like, you're just excited to see your, your mom. And that's what the universe is. It's, like, this loving thing that's always there, ready, ready. And then I was like, oh, my God. That's And then, and then I was like, but you can't tell anybody. I was like, what? It's like, everyone knows. Everyone always knows. It's always there. It's always in front of your face. There's no denying that it's there. But we're pretending right now. So you're just keep pretending. If you tell people, you're kind of being a dick. <laughs> you're kind of ruining the game for everyone. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucked up. And then that's when shit got really bad. And then... So, and I was like, the best way I can summarize it is we are, at least how I felt personally, was the shadow of, and maybe it was just my brain trying to contextualize this concept of higher order entities, but the Greek mythology is accurate in terms of our projections of archetypes are exactly what actually exists in terms of the perfection of divinity. Those things are real. And they're realer than us. We are the shadows of those divine entities being cast onto this thing that... You're the that, troglodyte of that particular mm-hmm. entity. And then, and then I was like, well, that's so fucking weird. And, you know, like the love and lust, all these f- emotions that we have, 
they exist in the perfect form in, 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 in entities that are so much more complicated than we can begin to understand. It's like when you take like a hyper-dimensional object and you shine a light through it and you can cast like a lower-dimensional shadow of that object, mm-hmm. right? Like if you take a cube, you can cast a 2D square, yeah. right? It's like, it's imagine people are that, but there's hundred-dimensional entities that are operating as the universe and we are just the fucking shadow of their operations. Yeah. And then when you become aware of that they become aware of you and then they were like hey don't fucking talk about this and i was like what's up and it's only some of them that are kind of dicky about it so i was like if, if, if so if these gods oh. are real uh then demons must be real and they're like don't go there and they like warn me and i was like well then they well what and then and then i just went into this like insane like rambling like almost like possessed state where demons were real and, like, taking over my mind. And they're like, this is real, don't fuck with this. And I was like, it's not real. And it's like, really? You don't think this is real? And I was, like, looking at myself in the mirror doing that, and I didn't feel like I had control, but I felt like I had control. Like, really fucked up mushroom shit. That's like the a shadow fucked up. of the shadow. Yeah. And it's like, you don't think this is real? We have control. Like I, And then... And then I just cried for the rest of the night. <laughs> and I just like sat in a corner crying and crying and crying. And then I didn't know why. Like I was just like, this is sad. Like I don't know. I I think I fucked up. And not like, not in the sense that like, I was like, oh, I've opened Pandora's box. Like literally in my mind. Like this is something that's so beyond anything that I've understood before. And then I still I still think about the ball of yarn, and I was like, "Well, was that just a distraction? Because yeah. the ball of yarn is just the real thing. The rest of that isn't even compared to what that was. That like loving, peaceful, motherly energy, that creative energy. That's the realest thing, and th- those hundred dimensional entities are actually the shadow of that. And th- and so." The it's and the crazy thing is that thing is is always in front of our face. It's always like we're wearing this veil of pretending that it's not there, and that's part of the human condition. That's part of what it means to well, to not to to. We're playing this game of make believe almost. Well, it's Jung described this because he went through a lot of like if you read Red Book and. Uh, the Septum Sermones, because those are that's that's it's my favorite reading. It's nightmarish overall, and it'll give you horrifying dreams and nightmares for months after you read it. But what it's what he describes the universe as is that there is a a characteristic that is. Gosh, how do I describe this? There is. The pleroma, which is all of existence. All the good, the bad, the gray, right? Best way to describe it. And then there is a principalia in front of that that exists as as the pleroma exists. It's called the Abraxian principle or Abraxis. Mm-hmm. And he is that which decides, determines, it's the active imagination of the pleroma, separating things into black and white and playing that particular game. And then there is that thing is the whole universe, right? But then that universe is also crammed inside your own head. 
So you're the Abraxas that is the Pleroma of your own mind Mm -hmm. at all times. So you're playing the game of separating what's good and what's evil. You're playing that game. But the existence of everything's still in there. Like the Pleroma's still in you, man. The infinite gray. That everything just is as it is and that you're deciding what morality is. That you're deciding what all of these things are. Separating the wheat from the shaft, so to speak. And so there's the larger aspect in which there might be a a deciding order of the universe, but then you're in a small fraction of that universe playing the same game as the universe. We all have the same chessboard, right? Which I think is maddening. And he can explain it far better than me, but dude, that, like, reading that for the first time, I threw the book. I, I threw the book, dude. I took the ear, like, I, I was listening to it. And I, I pulled the earphones out. I threw the book away, and I just paced around. Well, he ruined the hour. game for you. Huh? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like hey, It doesn't the ruin the game. You just realize that you have a responsibility now that was not there before. Mm-hmm. And it is so utterly terrifying. I, I honestly don't know what, what, what scared me more than that. I, I can't tell you. What? You can you can pick my bones apart. I don't I don't know if that would terrify. Well, how me. terrifying is it to know that if you are going to become God, become a part of the God that creates everything, and eventually, let's say God does exist by manner of us creating technologies that allow us to take domain of the universe, the integration of all of our consciousness in that makes kind of like a uniform conscious in the sense that all parts of it are completely influential of the whole. It's like a perfect system. Well, we all are in some minute way an influence of the whole, but you're still playing the same stupid game in some minuscule sense. That means you're responsible for all of the horrific rape and murder, torture. You're responsible for the human condition. Exactly. This is your game. You've played this game. You're in the game. It's like now. when you realize, like, it's like imagine if you were just like, you got you. Let's say you f- technology can get. So here's what's fucked up: is technology in the next three years could probably let's say ten. Let's say in ten years, ten years can get so good that they can put you inside GTA Five, and let's say rhythmically make you forget that there's an outside world. So you're just in this VR space thinking you're actually in GTA Five. Are you are you raping hookers and then or you are, are doing you, the are most horrific things ever? Cars up with grenades because there's no consequences, yeah. and so you probably saw the sense that you're in a game, right? Or let's say you don't have a sense that you're in a game. Let's just say that you have the sense that you can get away with a lot more shit, and you forget that the consequences of the outside world come into this world. You're just in GTA Five, and you play it like anyone else would play GTA Five. <laughs> it's not. And then someone tells you, hey, man, this is a game. And all of these people you hurt, they're not they're not real. But you did horrific things. So you're going to, to pe- prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In well, real jail, which is also a game. But it's crazy, though, because imagine, let's take it to a different perspective. Let's say, let's say when Hitler died, you're Hitler, and it's like, <sighs> Oh, welcome back. How you doing? Did you like the game? And he's like, what? He's like, no, take a minute. Breathe. 
It's like, okay, I have breathe. How was the game? What did you do? I think I was this guy named Hitler. And I, and I just murdered everybody. I just kept murdering all of these people that I thought weren't good enough. Pretty typical. So that's a pretty typical move in a lot of these games. It's a pretty typical, pretty typical move. <laughs> like the fact that like the You've most had like 10, horrible Hitler's people, yeah. the mo- the most horrible people on the planet. Like if this is a simulation, can just <sighs> consequence free. That's mm-hmm. what being God is, though. Yeah. Like when you think about it, because we're we're already playing our own micro versions of that with things like GTA Five, anything sandbox. That's definitely what we're doing already. Exactly, we're it, playing as the overseer. When and then, which when, is what we like to do, and we're doing it with our own planet too. Now, now imagine when you can play GTA Five online, completely sucked into VR, but it's more complex. You can, you know, disembowel somebody, and they can feel it. Yeah. And this is before we're God. Yeah. It's almost like God training. It's like this will happen on a real scale. Remember what it was like to be a human? Some Ender's Game type shit where they tell them it's a game, but it's actually real and they just won the war. Like <sighs> shit like that, dude. <laughs> and just the fact that that premise is so understandable in today's age is terrifying. Oh, yeah. The idea that, you, like, that the average person on the street, you could be like, imagine a video game. It was real, and you would feel everything in it. And you could play online with other people, and you could just do anything you wanted. You could rape people. You, you could be a dragon, and you could burn people to death. Or you could be um, a really nice lady who raises some kids. Yeah. Yeah, you could just be any person you wanted to be. What kind of person would you be? And the honest truth of that statement is that if it was identical to this, we'd probably be doing exactly the same thing. Exactly same thing. We would go and sit down and we'd be having this fucking Which makes me feel kind of good because <laughs> I'm not raping or murdering people. Yeah. But maybe hopefully. I should start. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the fucking scary part of the whole goddamn thing, right? <laughs> the minute they're like, hey, it's not real, I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. I'm just going to start having fun now. Yeah, dude. It's like without objective morality, everything is permissible. This fucking Emmanuel camp, bro. You figured this shit out forever ago before we had VR and shit. <laughs> that's why I think that's why I think zombie apocalypses are so appealing to people. It's because it sort of is that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, this society thing that we created, they the fall rules in. If you don't, you kind of feel like an asshole. Well, it's over. You either fend for yourself, and, and, and personally, in how I would handle a zombie apocalypse is anyone that I don't trust is dead, and if you're a new person, you're dead. Dead. I took your fucking stuff, and now I'm living off of it. Dead. Oh, little girl, dead. 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 You dead? <laughs> well, that's the thing. is like Walking Dead really definitely pointed out the fact that the worst part about the whole thing is dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the shittiest part about the whole thing. That's actually They're the walking dead. They're way smarter, dude. They're way more dead than the... <laughs> I just kill zombies if they're in my way, dude. I kill my the other fellow constituents that still maintain their form of consciousness. They're... they're... It's a miracle bye that, bye. that we even have got along. Like, like we used to... like. What was his name? Yeah, Han? Who's the guy? King... King... Not King Kong. Genghis Kong. Uh, <laughs> My brain's retarded. <laughs> like King Kong. <laughs> What's his name? King Kong. Genghis, Genghis Kong. Kong. Yeah, Genghis Kong. Yeah. 
Janis Joplin. Um, Jengis Joplin. <laughs> Jengis Joplin. Jengis. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but, I mean, that's not that long ago. And he was just like, I'm just going to take over the world as far as I know what it is to be. And people were like, you got a sword? I got a sword and some horses. And then he just had to convince a couple guys, like, hey, do you like fucking women? And they're like, her. Like, do you like killing other dudes and feeling strong? And they're like, like, well, there's a place over there that has like money and women and Hell some weak ass that. pussies. Yeah, some weak ass pussies. I guarantee you, they don't have these horses. Yeah. You just fucking you start with you just train on like farmland. You just kill all the farmers and take their shit, and then well, they starve you until you're weak, and then they just murder you. And we don't and understand. Like we live in a time, and then you get where complexion like mine that doesn't burn in the sun, but it's still relatively light. Mm-hmm. Black Norwegian, bro. Like I, <laughs> you're speaking my language right now, dude. <laughs> I got a little bit of that Mongol blood running in me, dude. Oh, just and it sounds fun. Like it's still in our DNA. Like pillage and murder. We're like all all boys. Like when you like, like if you went up to a little boy and like you want to pillage and murder something, and they'd be like, now, like yes. <laughs> Like right now, mm-hmm. if you went up to a teenager and you're like, you could fuck that girl, what you, but what about consent? You could just rape and pillage. You could just that's a thing that we do. <laughs> this is consent. not TikTok safe anymore. <laughs> we were not in a TikTok safe. Space. I'm not saying that's a good thing. No, I'm just saying I like my social social construct. <laughs> I like my women not being raped, even though there's dudes that are stronger than me. Like. <laughs> I definitely agree. You know, I like my social order because I'm a you know a, a cis white male that's uh, not particularly active in forms of fitness. You know, yeah, I'm doing pretty well up here. I'm yeah, gonna... you're, you're fucking you got you got it going on. I got a wrestling background. Like I, I you know, I can still hold my own, but fuck that shit, dude. I'd rather people not try to come and pillage and rape my woman every time I'm away. <laughs> you know. Christ. Oh, that's what's that's what's beautiful beautiful about majority. Imagine the guy on a fucking vacation comes back. It's like on fire. It's everything's there's blood everywhere. Bodies like Jeff <laughs> laying Jeff, down. <laughs> Decapitated. <laughs> part I, well part How's of it, Jeff. They took de- <laughs> they took Jeff's head off and then put his Jeff's dick inside Jeff's mouth and then just kind of like, left him there. There's like a Placeholder. <laughs> Honey, I'm... Huh? <laughs> fucking staring at your pillage. I mean, pillage. the only one that's winning is Jeff right now. He's, he finally did it. He finally did it. Oh, man. Let's let's call it here. This has been a good podcast. This has been fun. I think Zephyr's about to fucking fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. He added his... his uh, I'll see how much I can salvage of this, because we have it all on the stream. That's, I want. I, I think I can download my stream, but I don't know how to fucking take the audio from a stream and put it into a WAV file so I can upload it on iTunes. So we might only have the <laughs> fucking hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. This was the the Go Show. Many more to come. Uh, peace out. Uh, love you.